We'll get started this morning. Thank you for being here. And uh, got a good crowd this morning for Sunday school. I appreciate, appreciate each one of you being here. Uh, I missed y'all last week as we were on the road and uh, we got out of, left out early Sunday morning and uh, went out uh, to Arkansas and uh, had a good time duck hunting out there and uh, shooting geese and, and going through all the bad weather extremes that we could possibly go through. Uh, but anyhow, we made it home safe and uh, I appreciate uh, your prayers. I appreciate the coffee that was bought for me, the breakfasts that were brought for me when I wasn't here. And uh, I apologize for that. I thought everybody knew and uh, anyhow, uh, Dalton said, I'm glad nobody knew you were gone. Everybody showed up to church. And uh, anyhow, but I thought everybody knew we were going. So uh, anyhow, I was proud of y'all. And uh, he said Wednesday night was a really good service. And uh, I was in Atlanta. Uh, uh, well, about the time y'all got out of service, we were in Atlanta. And we were praying too. And uh, so anyhow, but uh, I had a good time and a good getaway and I appreciate that. Uh, let's look at some of the announcements that we have. Ladies Fellowship, they have that going on tomorrow. And uh, it is at Miss Miranda Douglas's home. And uh, I guess you need to get with her if you do not know where that is. And uh, so um, I don't know the address to that. All I can tell you is it's out there. All right, and uh, it, it's a ways, and, and y'all, ladies, y'all show up, because she's been wanting to have people over to her house. I guess she don't have any friends. Nobody likes her, and she's, she's been trying to do this. She wanted to, have, she wanted to have a staff meeting out at her house. I'm like, no, we all live on this side of town, and you live out there, and uh, so anyhow, uh, uh, she is uh, she's dying for somebody to come over and see her new home. So y'all go over there and be a blessing to her, and they'll have lady ladies fellowship there uh, tomorrow. All right, and uh, it is uh, sign up for event will close at 5 p.m. today. And so anyhow, I guess she's limiting how many people can come to theirs. But anyhow, y'all y'all go make sure to register if coming. All right, I, I ain't never seen wording like this before. But anyhow, uh, do whatever you got to do, ladies, and get out there to that. No men are invited to that, and they'll have a good time uh, out at Miss Miranda's home. All right, next Sunday, uh, we have our, no, stay right there. Go back where you at, uh, Miss uh, Carey. Uh, we'll just, I had, mine was next. It was, all right. So we have this uh, uh, app now. Uh, if you go and you look up the Church Center app and, uh, for Calvary, uh, if you'll look that up and download that and get registered on that, uh, this is going, to, uh, this is going to, to be the way that we uh, work a lot of our signups and all of this stuff will be done through this app. It's a new program that we have here, this planning center. Uh, and uh, it's going to help us out tremendously, all right? Uh, you're able to give on here. Uh, you're able to, I, I don't know about to find and, uh, and join small groups. Uh, that's going to be more geared towards our Sunday school. Uh, but you can uh, manage your family's profile on this thing. You can register for events. Uh, you can check in. You can do all kinds of stuff. This is an app now for our church. And uh, if you will, please uh, go and download that. Uh, it's already been put out there um, on, on Facebook and different things to do it. 
Uh, but if you'll do this, it'll be a great blessing, and you can register for stuff uh, on the app. So you'll be able to register for the ladies' meeting, for different things that are going on, like when we have a sign-up sheet, uh, you won't necessarily have to do it out there. You can do it uh, through the app, and uh, that'll, that'll help us out tremendously with scheduling and everything on that. So please go and download this app, all right? How many of y'all's got it? All right. Good. If you don't have it, how about going ahead? I know you ain't going to be able to do it probably in the building, but go put that in your uh, notes or something to uh, do that when you leave out of here. And uh, maybe between uh, the Sunday school and 11 o'clock hour, it's real simple to do. And uh, you can get plugged in right there with the church on that. All right. Now, next Sunday, we have a missions blitz. All right. And uh, basically, uh, we had uh, uh, this. We have a missionary. Uh, I ain't going to say he's not a missionary. Uh, he is uh, uh, the head of this mission project is what uh, you'll learn about it uh, next Sunday. But anyhow, his name is Brother David Nelms, and uh, I met him through Brother Malcolm, and uh, he's a tremendous uh, blessing. As I was telling the people in the prayer room, uh, this is not the conventional uh, um, uh, mission that you and I are accustomed to. And uh, I think I've explained this before to you, uh, but uh, our current uh, way of doing missions right now is for somebody in America, they get a burden to go to Mexico or whatever, and uh, they go and spend time in school. They got to go and do language. They go and partner up with somebody. The process literally takes uh, uh, basically close to six to eight years uh, before they're effectively working in ministry. Uh, this is, uh, this is gr I mean, hit the ground, and they are evangelizing and uh, the way that they do this. Uh, this is also, uh, their target is areas that have never heard the gospel. And uh, a lot of the missionaries that come through here, uh, they're going to places where missionaries are already established. Uh, this, uh, what Brother David and them do, and the project that they are, uh, they work on, is they have mapped out uh, through the 1040 region every village that's in that region. And their goal and their desire is to get the gospel to every single one of those villages. And so it is the truest form of missions that I have seen. And uh, so uh, I'm real excited about this. I want you to come be a part of this. You'll learn how you can plant a church. Uh, you know, we talk about uh, supporting a missionary. Uh, but through this program, through Brother David Elms, you learn and uh, how our church and how you as an individual can literally uh, plant a church and uh, what it costs them. Uh, this is just to give you an idea. Uh, we pay our missionaries $100 a month. That's $1,200 a year that we pay our missionaries. And, uh, and then uh, for, to plant a church in these locations costs 400 bucks. $400 to plant a church in one of these locations and to provide all the materials and everything needed for that church to grow and sustain itself. And so this is a great opportunity and we can be a part of that. I'm asking you to please be here next Sunday. We'll be in here for Sunday school. He'll be with us here. Sunday morning worship will be a lot like what we're normal, what we're used to. But Sunday night, he will talk to us on a personal level of how the same thing, the way they're doing this in the 1040 window, uh, which is the unpeop unreached people groups, 
uh, he'll show us how we can do it right here in our community and show us how to do that. So uh, uh, let me encourage you to be here all day next Sunday. And uh, we, we, of course, 10, 11, and, and the 630 service, all right? Uh, but we'll have a great time of that, and I uh, want you to be a part of it, all right? Uh, February the 11th is coming up on us, and that is our Beast Feast. And uh, we're real excited about that. Uh, fellas, we got 13 guns uh, that will be uh, up uh, for you. You have an opportunity to take them home uh, come on, come February the 11th, and uh, we're really excited about that. Tickets are on sale now, $25 a piece. You can pick them up out at the uh, Welcome Center, I think is where you can get those. Uh, we have sold, I think, 30-something tables, and uh, which is uh, more than what we did last year, and uh, we're real excited about that. It's going to be a good time. Brother Mark Bishop will be back with us, and uh, Brother Mark is, uh, um, I, I can't say enough about him. He pastors a church in Louisville, and uh, he'll be with us that weekend, and he'll be preaching here Sunday morning. So everybody get to hear him. He'll be uh, for the Beast Feast, and then Sunday morning he'll be preaching here. And then the next week I'll be preaching for him in Louisville. And uh, he has two churches. He has one church uh, that's, uh, I think, seven, 800 members. And then he has another church that's like 400. And uh, he said, you're coming to preach both church services. And so anyhow, y'all pray for me because that ain't nothing I'm used to. And we'll have a good time. But uh, I'm looking forward to having Brother Mark here with us. And uh, man, for the outdoor enthusiast, he is, he's it. He has his own TV show on Decision, uh, it's called Decision Point, and it's on the Pursuit Channel. And uh, you can go there, you can look him up, and uh, you can watch him. He makes a shot on an Orxus buck at 920 yards and kills it and uh, on camera. And so anyhow, he ain't your average redneck that, oh, I shot a deer at 600 yards. Everybody all right? when it was 100 yards out there. I mean, this is actually on camera, 920 yards. He shot this deer and killed it. And so anyhow, he's, a, uh, he, he's awesome. Uh, he's, a he's in the military as well. And just a, uh, he's a blessing to be around. I promise you, you'll have a good time with him. All right. I don't think there's any other announcements uh, uh, concerning any of this. I think next week, um, uh, be praying. I will preach the first week of February. Uh, I will be preaching a good bit that week, and uh, I, I really could use your prayers, uh, both morning services, and then at the end of the week, I'll be doing a marriage conference, and uh, I've been asked to preach at a marriage conference, so um, y'all pray, and uh, I'm going to go up there and tell them how great it is to be married. Amen. All righty. And so anyhow, we're looking forward to that. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. We'll get started uh, in the book of Hebrews. And uh, we'll be in Hebrews chapter number five, but we're going to chapter number six. We just got to make sure we get the, you can come on, Miss Julie. You ain't got to stop and stand there. You, you all right. You just come right on down to the front. Get here when you can. You know, it's okay. And uh <clears throat> Uh, but anyhow, uh, we'll be in Hebrews chapter number five, and then uh, we're really going to, we're just going to get it, uh, a little bit of information and jump right into chapter number six, which by the way is probably the most controversial chapter in the entire Bible. All right, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. And God, we thank you, Lord, for this time that we can gather together. Uh, Lord, for Sunday school. Lord, for worship hour. Lord, I pray that you would meet with us today. Uh, Lord, as we open up your word, God, I pray that you'd give us clarity and, Lord, understanding. Lord, I pray that you'd help me, Lord, to uh, uh, articulate, to put into words, uh, Lord, uh, how this is translated, how it's to be interpreted. Uh, interpreted. 
Lord, I pray that you would bless us through it. Lord, I thank you for our church and everything that we have going on, all the excitement, all the uh, activities that are coming up. But Lord, I pray that we get our hearts and minds focused on you just for a little bit today. And Lord, I pray that you would feed us. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name you would encourage us and strengthen us. And Lord, we'll be sure to give you all the honor, glory, and the praise for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. All right. So let's go back to chapter number five and look, start in verse number 12. And uh, we'll get the context. And uh, uh, because we're going into chapter number six, but as I've explained to you and tried to explain to you over and over again, you got to get this in your head that the chapter divisions and the verse divisions were not inspired. All right. They were a tool, they were put in by the translators to help us. But sometimes the translators ended up dividing something that should have been a part of something else. Is everybody all right? All of these were letters that were written to a group of people. And then the translators, to help us, to make it easier for us to study, they divided it up by chapter and verse. All right? So if you just start in chapter number six and you don't read chapter number five, then you really don't have the context of what is being said and where this is going. As we've studied through the book of Hebrews, we are reconciling the Old Testament and the New Testament. How many of y'all remember that? We're reconciling the Old Testament and the New Testament. You're talking to a bunch of Hebrews. You're talking to a bunch of uh, traditionalists, if you will, people that have been taught specifically uh, the law and how they are to respond to the law, what their responsibilities are to the law. And now they've come, Jesus has come, and Jesus is the fulfillment of that law, which means that the law no longer exists. It no longer has an emphasis. The emphasis is now on Christ, all right? And the emphasis is no longer on uh, uh, ceremonies or rituals or coming to the temple and sacrificing. The sacrifice has been made. Jesus has ascended up into heaven. He sat down on the right hand of the Father and he is making intercession for us. He is that ultimate sacrifice. There's nothing left that we can sacrifice. They can't go back. Is everybody with me? So when we have that mindset, now he's trying to convince them and show them that Jesus has every right to do that. And in chapter number five, we looked at his, his role as a high priest. And we said that he was the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And, and as I told you, uh, when we get to chapter number seven, we're going to see even more of that. And we'll learn even more of that. And so he had, to, he had to convince the readers in Hebrews that Jesus was the high priest. He told them he was a high priest. And they said, well, how can he be the high priest? He's not Aaron's son. So he had to go back and he said, God chose Aaron. And before Aaron, God chose Melchizedek. All right. And he said, Jesus is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek before Aaron was instated. All right. And so he has every right to be the high priest. But we come to a problem at the end of chapter number five. And this is the context that brings us into chapter number six. So in chapter number five and verse number 12, it says, For when uh, for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. 
For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And so we're talking to a group of believers. I want you to see that. I want you to understand that. We are talking to a group of believers. We're talking, we're not talking to people that are lost. We are talking to a group of believers and he's saying that you should be teachers, but yet you are having to be taught. In other words, you should be maturing and yet you aren't. He said, you should be further in your walk, and yet you aren't. And so he, he uses a phrase, and he says, you're like babes. You, you've not grown to that point where you should be, and where you should be is teaching others, but you're not at that place. You're, you're still a babe. And of course, we can use the analogy of a child and how we have to feed a baby. Well, come on, y'all, I need some help. We got to feed a baby, all right? And then they get to a point where they feed themselves. And if you go long enough, they'll get to a point where they feed others. Does everybody see that? So we start off, if you think about that, you take a baby and you start off with a child, a baby, and it is the responsibility of the parents to feed the child. As the child grows, the child, all of a sudden, uh, uh, they get to a place where you can't feed them. I need somebody to help me right here. Uh, my granddaughter's at that place. I mean, you try to feed her something, and she'll be like wanting to kill you, all right? And uh, I mean, just I throw her sucker in the dirt, get mad and everything else. Don't you touch that spoon. She can do it herself. All right. Now she might have more food all over the carpet and all over the chair and all over the table than she gets in her mouth. But bless God, she can do it herself. All right. And so we get to that place where we go to feeding ourselves. And sooner or later, uh, Westland's going to come to a place in our life where she now is mom or a babysitter or a caretaker and she's feeding somebody else. And that is the progression. And that's the way it should be in our Christian walk. Is everybody with me? We get saved and we have need that somebody feeds us. So we come and we sit in Sunday school. We come and we sit in Sunday services, Sunday night services, Wednesday night services, discipleship classes, whatever we can get our hands on. Why? Because we're hungry. We're hungry. We want God's word. We're hungry for knowledge of God's word. And so we come and we come and we come and we eat because somebody else is feeding us. But the progression is, sooner or later, I need somebody to help me right here, it's time for you to start feeding yourself. It's always, I always hear this, I wasn't getting fed at the other church. Well, if you've been saved for any amount of time, you should be, you should be feeding yourself. I mean, yes, they have a responsibility and the pastor has a responsibility to feed the flock, but we also have a responsibility to feed ourselves. And let me say this, a lot of people that ain't eating good ain't at the table. We think that we can run in for a 30-minute sermon or something like that and out of our busy schedule all week, and that's just going to fix everything that we mess up. Y'all help me, man. Come on, y'all help me. Seven days. So anyhow, this is where they're at. 
the writer here, and once again, we don't know who the writer of Hebrews is, but he's saying, listen, you should be, you should be maturing. You should be developing. You should be getting stronger, but yet you're still like babes, all right? So he goes to verse, chapter number six. Therefore, so we had to go back and see what it was. All right, that's why we went back into chapter number five. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Now, if you'll remember up in verse number 12, it said this, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. Now we move to chapter six, verse number one, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. All right, is everybody with me? What is he saying right here? Drop the old law? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could get that out of that. What is he, what is he trying to encourage them, inspire them to do? Be to be mature. See, the, the let us go on to perfection. Does that mean that we go on to a sinless life? No. no. All right, so the word perfection right here means maturing. All right, here's what he's saying. Hey, let's get away from the milk. And let's start moving towards the meat. Amen. This is what he's doing. He, he, he's trying to say, it's time to, uh, it's time to move forward in your Christian walk and begin to mature. So he does this with the expectation that they're going to do it. He says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, leaving the basics, leaving the ABCs, let us go on unto perfection. We shouldn't have to continue on stressing the ABCs. Let's move forward unto perfection, growth, maturing, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Now, Paul's told us in 1 Corinthians chapter number three that no other foundation can be laid that is greater than the foundation that was laid, which was Jesus Christ. So we can't lay again the foundation of repentance. It's already been laid. It, there's no greater foundation. There's no greater uh, foundation to be laid. It's, it's Jesus Christ. We're not going back to the dead works. We're not going back to the beginning. Is everybody with me? So he says, let us go forward. Verse number two. Uh, uh, from, uh, well, let me, read the end. let me read number one again and, and I'll read her into two, all right? Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. Now, Brother uh, Jim, I believe, said just a few minutes ago that they were to leave the law, and this has a lot to do with that. Because when we see here the doctrine of baptisms in verse number two, it is not what you and I see in that baptistry. Now, when you study this out, this doctrine of baptism that the writer is talking about is the washing rituals. That go on. Uh, when you go to Israel with us, we'll go by uh, on our way to the Dead Sea. Uh, how many of y'all has ever heard of this? The Dead Sea Scrolls. All right. 
All right, so when we go down to the Dead Sea, uh, that day that we head down there, we'll stop by a place uh, that was the Essenes, all right? And we'll go into this place, and you can walk around and you can look, and they, are, they have uncovered, uh, uh, and they have dug up these big uh, washing vats and stuff like that, and basically these pe- it was for a washing ritual. Matter of fact, if you'll remember in Acts, when we were discussing Acts, when, he, uh, when Paul was returning from his second uh, um, I think it was a second missionary trip. It might have been his first that he was going back to the Jerusalem to perform his vows and he was going back and the washings and all these rich. This is what they were talking about. It was very confusing in Acts because Paul had already told us to move from that, but yet he was submitting to that when he was going back to Jerusalem. But here in this context and in here, this doctrine of baptisms is not talking about you getting baptized after salvation. It's talking about these ritual cleansings or washings that are going on. And so he moves on and he says, he, he tells him that... To, 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 from dead works, they're to not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and a faith toward God of the doctrine. You see, all these are together. Does everybody see that? It wasn't, we, we couldn't stop in verse number one. We had to keep going all the way through the end of verse number two. And verse three says, and this will we do if God permit. Now, here's where it gets really, really controversial. All right, let's look at verse number four and let's read it. And it says this, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Man, most people get to that scripture and they're like, what? I can, there's a chance that I can lose my salvation? Come on, y'all help me. I know we know that, but does not the scripture, if you go reading this passage of scripture, does it not just throw a little bit, just, just a little bit of, whoa, wait a minute. Man, let me tell you something. Let me, let, me tell you how, let me tell you how controversial this is. Nobody agrees on what the interpretation of this is. So I'm not going to stand up there and tell you I have all the answers. I, I, I mean, most of these guys disagree with each other on it. They don't even, they, they disagree. One of them will tell you, well, they, they were professing Christians and they weren't really saved. But we have no indication of that. The only indication that we have was that they were Christians, but they had not matured. Help me. And some say, but, but we have, we know two things about them. They were Christians <laughs> and they hadn't matured. Uh, it, it, so to say that they were never Christians, we can't do that. Uh, to say that you can lose your salvation, to renew them again, it's impossible to renew them again into repentance. We know, I need somebody to help me. We can go another passage of scripture and know that that's false. Right? Romans chapter number eight, verse number one. It tells us there is therefore now no condemnation (laughs) is it all right so what is he talking about 
Have you ever, has anybody ever read this passage of scripture and wondered? Come on, y'all, be honest. All right, it's all right. We're learning. We're going on to unto perfection. We're growing, all right? So what is he saying? What's he trying to say? I'm glad you asked, but I, I ain't going to tell you I have the answer. One commentary will tell you, like I said already, that, hey, they were, they were professing Christians and they wasn't really saved. And so they, I, I read behind one and I thought it was pretty good. He said that uh, basically if they went back to the law and went back to the rituals of the law, which is what was said in the first few verses, if they were to go back to those rituals of washings and cleansings, ceremonies, the, the dates, the keeping of the feasts, the Passovers and all these things, if they were going back to sacrificing animals, then Jesus' death was of none effect. But it doesn't mean that they lost their salvation. Absolutely, because it's a sin now. This is a, this is a passage of scripture. You have to understand where these people are. They, are. they are in the turn. This is a transition, if you will. Just a few days before Jesus was hung on that cross, these believers were still bringing animals to the temple. They were still bringing animals to the temple to be sacrificed for their sins. They were still going through. They were preparing. Everybody hear me? They were preparing for the, fast, or, or the uh, Passover feast. They were getting ready for all that would be going on in Jerusalem at that time. And this man, this God, this Savior, he comes and he dies on the cross. And immediately on the next day, Amen. there's no need for those sacrifices. Three days later, he's walking again. He's alive and he has risen from the grave. There's no need for a cleansing or a washing. There's no need for another feast because all the feasts pointed to him. All the washings and the cleansings pointed to him. All the animals that were sacrificed pointed to him. The temple pointed to him. Everything pointed to him and now he has come. Everything that the law was, the only thing that the law was doing was showing us a Savior. And now that Savior has come and therefore he has fulfilled the law and the law is no more needed. And these people are in the transition. Amen. How do we, they, he dies, you tell us he's the Savior, but now they want to go back because they sinned and now they want to go back with an animal to the temple. Because just because Jesus come doesn't mean the temple stopped working. As a matter of fact, the temple wasn't destroyed until 70 AD. When Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple was destroyed. And so at this point, the temple still standing is business as usual. People are still coming and bringing gifts. And these Christians are like, what do we do? My, 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 my mama said that I'm supposed to go off her. Is everybody all right? Some of y'all get that reference. <laughs> mama said I'm supposed to go and offer a sheep. But you're telling me the Lamb of God has come and died for me. This is why the writer says, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh. 
In other words, you're saying what he did wasn't enough and you go back to the things that you've always known, the tradition that you've always held, the law that you've learned from a child and you put him to an open shame. Can I take just a few moments right here before we go any further and say this? Anything that you add to Christianity and your salvation, you are putting him to an open shame. Tell somebody they got to be baptized to be saved. You're putting him to an open shame. To tell somebody they got to live this certain way for them to be saved. You're putting him to an open shame. Does everybody understand that? If you don't understand that, just lift your hand. It's all right. I, I, man, I'd love to take some time and explain this. We have got all kind of religion. Well, if you got this, you, you ain't saved if you ain't got this. Or you ain't saved if you ain't done this. Or you ain't saved. Hey, listen here. Salvation is through Christ and Christ alone. It is not a work of you or I. It is not by our works. It is by his works. It is by his righteousness that you and I are saved. There's nothing you could have done. Your little prayer that you think made the whole difference in your life didn't. He was the one. He's the one that paid the full price for you. There is no other way. There's nothing that you can do. Your prayer is merely a confession of what he did. Is everybody understanding that? This thought, I got to pray to be saved. No, you don't. (laughs) Your prayer is nothing more of a confession than what he did. Your faith in what he did, your trust in what he did is what saves you and I. It's not a work that you and I do. It's not a prayer that we say. It's not a baptism that we have. It's not a lifestyle that we live. It is all Him. I've said it before. Most people that come walk the aisle, come down here before they ever pray a sinner's prayer, they're saved. Because they have heard the gospel and they have believed the gospel and now they are responding Responding to the gospel. Is everybody with me? Come on, y'all. I hope I'm getting this. I, I hope you understand what I'm saying. They're responding to the gospel. They've heard the gospel. They believe the gospel. And so now they respond to the gospel. And you and I see the evidence. Is everybody with me? Now, that's important. Why is that important? I'm glad you asked. Let's go on to verse number seven. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh upon it, or cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs meet for them, by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. But that which heareth, or excuse me, beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing. Whose end is, did I leave my phone up there? Is to be burned. All right? Tell me, somebody help me. What does that sound like? Huh? Then now they're hurt 
Yeah. All right. Close. Not quite. <laughs> She's sending people to hell over here. All right. Y'all stay with me. All right. <laughs> who are we talking? Who are we talking about? Believers. All right. We're talking about believers. All right. So we're given a thing in, in verse number seven. Go back to verse number seven, if you will, Miss Carrie. Verse number seven, for the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs, meat for them, by whom it is dressed, receiveth the blessing of God. All right? So the same rain came, again, came on verse number seven. Now go to verse number eight. Verse number eight. But that which bear thorns and briars. So the same rain come on both scenarios. One produced fruit. Herbs, one, thorns and briars. Now, what does it sound like? Come on, y'all, help me. Nope, not believers and unbelievers. Oh, yes, the evidence of your heart. That's exactly right. Your evidence, your work. Somebody talk to me on this thing. Does it sound a little bit like the judgment seat? There's works that you're going to do that are going to burn up. There's works that you're going to... Is everybody all right? So now when we're talking about this foundation that no, we can't lay it again, we're talking about the reward received, all right, after salvation. You and I are working, all right, according to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, I ain't got time to do all this, but we're going to try, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. In verse number 11, Miss Carrie, if you want to get there, uh, I'll find it in my Bible. But if you get there, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, verse number 11. For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon uh, this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. You don't lose salvation, but you can lose. There's a loss that goes there. Is it right? So when he says that it's impossible for those that fall away, let me say this. Let me, let me, let me help you to understand this. This falling away isn't an apostasy. Many people look at this falling away as an apostasy, and it's not. This is the same word that, that is, that's translated falling away. Here's the same word that was translated Jesus when, in the garden when Jesus fell and prayed to God. Same word. Is everybody with me? Amen. So here's what the writer is saying. When you stumble at these things and you continue in dead works after you're saved, it is impossible to go back, lay the foundation of repentance. In other words, you lose, a, you lose a lot, but you don't lose your salvation. Does everybody understand what I'm trying to say? We, we take this passage of Scripture. Here's the key to this whole patch. patch go back to Hebrews chapter number five or six, rather. Here's the whole key to it, verse number nine. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that, everybody say it with me, accompany salvation 
he wasn't talking about salvation. He was talking about what goes with it. The fruit, the reward later. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. As we look at this passage of Scripture, it's very confusing and nobody wants to touch it. I mean, well, some of the greatest uh, uh, commentators ever to walk the face of the earth just didn't even bother to. <laughs> they just like ran away from it. But you and I have so much evidence. Jesus says in John chapter number 10 that his, vo his sheep hear his voice and they follow him and he gives unto them eternal life. And then he says this, no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. And he said, I'm in my father's hand and no one is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. So why would we go into another passage of scripture and say, oop, Jesus, he was wrong. <laughs> Jesus was wrong. Somebody just took him out of my hand, took him out of the father's hand, took him out of everybody's hand. Amen. Is everybody all right? You got to interpret scripture with scripture. We know that we are secure in Christ. There is there, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ. So this, we're not losing salvation here. We have, we're losing rewards. And it happens when they falleth away when we stumble and don't get back on track. Peter stumbled. Y'all, come on, y'all. The Bible says this, a just man falls seven times and rises up. Peter fell. What did he do? He got up. Jesus told him this, when thou be converted, strengthen the brethren. What did he do? He preached a message, 3,000 people got saved. When did he do that? After he denied Christ three times. What did Jesus do? Come to him. What did he do? He professed his love for Christ three times. Amen. <laughs> Judas stumbled. He never, is everybody all right? He never got back. All right. So what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying if you fail, get up. Get back in it. Let's go forward unto perfection, all right? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for Sunday school this morning. Lord, I praise you. Bless the 11 o'clock hour. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.